Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Another episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents. I am one of the gents, Stephen Ellis. And I'm the other gent. I'm Robert Wolfson. So, Rob, let's talk COVID. I find we don't talk about COVID often enough. <laughs> that is true. You don't talk about COVID anymore We never at all. talk about it. No, it really never comes up. It doesn't come up in conversation anymore. It's like it's gone away. Yeah, just like uh, sarcasm. <laughs> it's completely gone. Who out there is tired of it? Really? I know. It's... I hear that. I heard that probably three times yesterday. I'm just tired of it. I think we all are, but we're getting closer to the end every day, although we were saying that about six months ago also. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know we're getting closer to the end. We have to be. Yeah, right? no doubt. That we have to be getting closer, but uh, I don't know that we're getting close. Closer, for sure, but I don't know if we're getting close. Well, it's always going to be there. We just have to get to learn to live with it and do it in as safe a way as possible. Dr. Rob says. That's right. So all joking aside, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about these days, Rob, have either come about because of COVID or have come into focus, I would say, because of COVID. And I think this is one of our topic for today is one of those issues. Yeah, more the latter. It's always been out there, but just I think more of an issue because of COVID, because more people have probably have this issue looking forward. So, Steve, one thing that we've discovered uh, over COVID over the past kind of year and a half is more and more people buying uh, vacation property, resort property, cabins, cottages, whatever you want to call them. And of course, you're spending more time at home and your travel is restricted. So you're finding other ways to spend your vacation time. So more and more people have purchased that secondary uh, recreational property. Yeah, specifically, Rob, I've heard from a few people that have said, well, if I'm going to work from home, why don't I have my home in the mountains? Some people have relocated, but I think a lot of people have also purchased another property and are working from there. Uh, so we have seen a bit of a, an, an uptick, certainly in, in discussions that we're having with people about it. And then on top of that, you've also seen the value of those properties go up quite significantly as well. You know, we've seen property values go up in a lot of places. We have seen sort of the you know, the quote-unquote resort towns experience that to a greater extent. That makes a lot of sense, Steve, especially because so many companies and, of course, people have been forced to work from home uh, during periods of lockdown and shutdown, work from home restrictions. So, so many companies have built the infrastructure to allow companies to work from home. Many people who didn't work at home before are doing it now and doing it efficiently, and they've discovered that that's going to be the new way of life. So, yeah, they've decided to invest in that second property uh, to relocate your environment if you're spending so much time in your primary residence. That's right. So, there's a lot of angles that we can take in terms of discussing some of the financial issues associated with owning a family cottage. And just to be clear, we're, we're going to refer to it as a family cottage, but it can be any kind of second property. It could be a, a, an RV spot at a resort. And what we want to talk about is the succession strategy associated with that. So if you're buying a second property, a family cottage, a vacation property, whatever it may be, as your, your second property, uh, then there are some things you want to be aware of from a succession standpoint. So passing it on to the next generation or 
disposing of it ahead of time if that's your your wishes. And of course, it goes without saying, it doesn't need to be a newly acquired property. This can be a property that's been in your family for generations. Uh, The same discussion applies. Great point, Rob. Yeah. And Rob, I think the final point to really make before we get into discussing some of the minutiae is, you know, family property, cottages, vacation property can be a real good source of fun and family memories, a way to escape the everyday stresses of life. But we know and we've seen that it can also be a cause or a reason for a lot of stress within a family and discord amongst family members. And Rob, our hope and our goal here today is to give the listeners a bit of information to hopefully avoid leaving that situation behind. So Rob, the question really begins with the owner of the property and asking them, what do you want to do with this? What is your plan with this property when you're no longer around and or you're not using it anymore? So it's not just about the owner of the property is deceased, they're, you know, they're, it's included in their will. It may just be that it's the type of property that at 90 years of age, they're not utilizing anymore. They want to keep it in the family and they're looking at doing that ahead of time, right? So a good first step, really, Rob, is is communication. So communicating between uh, yourself and, and your spouse or partner that you own the property with, and also with your children or who you plan on uh, potentially passing that property on to. It's a good point, Steve, and it's you know, so common that so many things come down to communication. But let's take a real-life example um, just to make it easier to think about. So you have parents. And you have two children, and they each have their own children. So it's a good family dynamic. The grandparents, the children, the grandkids. So, yeah, the, the grandparents need to talk to each other, determine, hey, if some, something happens to one of the spouses, is the other person going to keep using it? Maybe you have the whole family coming out for visits, for vacations. But if the parents aren't there anymore, do the kids and the grandkids still want to come out? Or maybe one does and one doesn't. So you really need to sit down while you're able to have that discussion and see what the intentions are of the whole family dynamic because that will better shape what the plan is going forward. That's right, Rob. And something to think about as well is there could be geographical challenges. You know, if you've got the property owners, call them mom and dad, and are looking at passing it, to use your example, they've got two kids. One of them lives an hour from the property and the other one is a four-hour flight away from the property that can cause some challenges, right? And not just in terms of, you know, the the usage of it, but how that's perceived, right? In terms of equity. So if you're passing it on and saying, I want your family to have 50% access and your family to have 50% access when I'm gone, and access doesn't end up working that way due to some challenges, again, geographically, that can cause some issues. So that really has to be addressed, that, that usage uh, aspect of it really needs to be addressed. And another great reason to have that discussion early too, to allow for the proper planning is maybe that part of the family that is four hour flight away, as you referenced, Steve, maybe there's a way that the property owners can allocate in the will for equalization. So they're going to leave other assets in the will to make up for the fact that the child that's only an hour drive away gets the property. Right. And to go back to our point earlier, you, you figure that out through communicating ahead of time. I think, Rob, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they make the assumption that the kids want the property. They just assume that, right? 
And I think there's still a bit of a, I'm going to call it an old school attitude out there that you just split everything 50-50, right? So the property gets split 50-50, all, all the other assets get split 50-50, and it doesn't need to be done that way. I think it needs to be practical. And again, it's got to come back to that communication piece. You find out what's practical by having that discussion with your kids. And Rob, the reality is, is I know that conversation is not easy, right? And often it's not the parents that struggle with it. It's the kids that struggle with it. They don't want to talk about mom and dad dying. Right. right. And sometimes they don't want to tell mom and dad that they don't really want to use the property when they're not there anymore. It's great when the family dynamic is there and it's uh, memories and it's time together. But when mom and dad are not there anymore, they may not want to make that trek any longer to the property. Yeah, I guess the concern would be it's a bit insulting to tell mom and dad right. you really don't like the lake or the house doesn't yeah. suit you. Right. So, yeah, you're right, Rob. I think that there can be some challenges just in that conversation. But I think, again, if you want to leave a good situation behind you have to have those tough conversations. You have to force your kids to have that conversation with you and explain to them that it's important to you that they sit down and let you know what their true feelings are and that it's okay, whether they want it or not. You know, saying you want the property doesn't mean you want mom and dad to pass away so you can take over the lake property in the boat, right? It just comes down to that practicality piece and, and the only way to find that out is by having the conversation. Yeah, the unfortunate reality, and we've seen it in the past, is siblings can fight. And especially over an estate, it's already a stressful enough time. You've lost a parent, you've lost a loved one, someone that's close to you. And when it comes to division of the assets, if they don't see eye to eye, there can be family fights, which can last forever. Yeah, good point, Rob. And let's use a real example. We'll use the, the family cottage again. If Parents transfer that property 50-50 to two siblings. We'll use that example because it's easy. Two siblings and one of them wants to stay, the other one wants to sell, right? Now you've got a situation where they're butting heads and the one sibling who wants to stay cannot afford to buy out the other individual, right? And so that division between those two siblings is heightened by the fact that they can't come to terms in terms of what to do with the property. So by default, likely the property gets sold, resentment kicks in. So not to harp on it, but again, coming back to that communication piece and figuring that out ahead of time is going to be really important so you can divide the estate differently and not leave that situation behind. So Rob, enough said, I guess, uh, in that regard. Uh, let's move on to what a lot of people do from an estate planning perspective when it comes to property, or at least look to do. And I think it's a big mistake that, that people make. I think it's made less often nowadays, but it's a, a way that people used to look at tax strategy, estate planning strategy, ways to reduce probate. And that was actually putting their kids on title of a property. It, it happens with principal residences as well. And we'll talk about that just because I think it's important to mix that into this conversation. What happens if that, if that takes place on a principal residence? So we'll talk a little bit about, you know, one of the strategies that, that people look at from an estate planning perspective with a family cottage and some of the pitfalls. So Rob, as I alluded to, a lot of people look at doing this to avoid probate or reduce probate. Now we know in Alberta, 
probate isn't particularly expensive, but it can be in, in other provinces of Canada. So again, looking at reducing your probate uh, is not a bad strategy, but doing it by transferring ownership or part ownership of a property can have a negative effect on, on that particular property in that situation. So let's use some examples. Again, as you did earlier, I think that's probably the, the most effective way of explaining and describing the situation. So Rob, this is going a ways back now, but we need a, we need a name. <laughs> if anyone's been listening to our podcast for a while, they know there was a, a point in time in which Rob came up with all these creative client names to use in our examples. So Rob, have you got one for us? Well, because we're talking about uh, vacation properties, how about Mr. Sandy Banks? There you go. There it is, folks. So for the purposes of this example, we're going to suggest that this is Sandy Banks' secondary property, not uh, principal residence. We're going to also assume that the uh, child or children are being added to title of the property strictly for tax purposes. Okay, so it's not necessarily being done because they've invested or, or so on. It's being done for estate planning purposes. We are also going to assume that this property is on a sandy beach somewhere. Yes. Or a sandy bank. Somewhere. Is it a beach or a bank? How do you get, how do you get a sandy bank? I think the bank is part of the beach. Okay. Got it. Have we painted a picture of this place for you? <laughs> Looks pretty good with the... Cold weather outside starting. I kind of want to go visit his property. It sounds like a nice place for sure. For this example, Steve, let's even drill down a bit further and just use one of Mr. Banks's kids. Okay, let's let's say it's a son and his name is Rocky. I like it. So Rocky's on now joint owner of the vacation property with Mr. Banks. Now, if he went to sell the property, he cannot fully dispose of the property unless Rocky also agrees because now he's part owner of that property. Yeah, so again, you may have an agreement initially with your child, but who's to say that you remain on the same terms or you may decide it doesn't work for you and Rocky still wants to go. So in short, you give up a little bit of control legally. Right. And one thing too, say they do agree to sell and they do sell because Rocky's on title with Sandy, they can now not disperse to his sibling his, his uh, sister, because technically the proceeds are split between Sandy and Rocky. Right, Rob. I didn't know the sister existed, so I, and we don't have a name for, for the sister, but we'll just say Rocky's sister in this case, Sandy is now relying on Rocky to make his sister whole, essentially, right? As opposed to Sandy having more control of that situation and being able to control the estate. Right. I think that's what you're saying there in that example. And that really is a concern. And so by by transferring a portion of title, essentially what you're doing is you're giving a bit of control to your child in terms of estate decisions. And that really doesn't matter, Rob, if it's one child or two. You are passing that control of that property onto the child. And it restricts some of the decisions that you're able to make. And you alluded to it earlier, selling the property, for example, it's going to potentially uh, reduce the control you have over that particular property. Now, most instances, Rocky will act in good faith and honor the parents' wishes, but you can't guarantee it. Right, Rob. And I, I think that's a good segue into the next concern that we would have about 
transferring title to to your your children or your heirs we say children but it could be grandchildren it could be any other party for that for that matter and that is that if that particular individual is married then their spouse or partner and ultimately what you're doing is you're not just passing on that asset to the heir you're also passing it on to their partner or spouse so a couple of concerns in this area, you mentioned it earlier, hopefully Rocky acts in good faith, but then the question becomes, does his spouse share that same view? Does his spouse share that same desire to honor your wishes? A spouse is, and what should we call the spouse, Rob? Adrian. <laughs> I should have known. So Rocky spouse, Adrian, uh, and Rocky don't see eye to eye on the property. And let's just say they happen to get divorced, right? So Rocky is a 50% owner of the property. Now he's divorced. Adrian is potentially, we'll say potentially, entitled to 50% of Rocky's 50%. So that could then cause obviously some issues in terms of the overall ownership and decision-making as it pertains to the property. Now, Rob, I mentioned we were gonna talk about principal residence a little bit, and I'm gonna bring that up here. Because if that's a principal residence, and we'll say mom and dad, Sandy and... and Mrs. Banks. Mrs. Banks (laughs) are living in that property full time, and it starts to go through the courts, or we'll say even creditors, right? Creditors could be involved in, in the process and now go to take that property back. There's potentially a lien. Rocky and his wife have gotten into some uh, a high amount of debt. Um, potentially they've gone to the bank and borrowed against the property. There could be all kinds of things happening behind the scene. Now all of a sudden the bank comes after that property and Mrs. Banks and Mr. Sandy Banks now have nowhere to live. Obviously an extreme case, but certainly not out of the question. Okay, Steve, I think we're scaring people. Let's not freak people out too much here. Don't go selling your Invermere property just yet. It's not that bad. (laughs) That's right. Okay, okay, Rob. I I realize I threw a lot of people out. All of a sudden, Rocky and Adrian were borrowing against the property. They're getting divorced. Again, the whole point of these examples is these are extreme examples. They may not happen, but it's just something to consider because it could happen. Right. And of course, Steve, you're referencing a principal residence. And one of the benefits of a principal residence is the property grows in value. That's one of the main or the only item where you don't, you do not need to pay capital gains tax on the growth in that property. Whereas a vacation property or the family cottage, it's a secondary property. It's not your personal residence. So you do. And as soon as you add someone else on title with you, now they're also responsible for their share of those gains. Now, basically Sandy is now obligating Rocky to pay half of the capital gains tax. Right. And if Rocky has a sibling, then that may affect the equalization of the estate, right? So Rocky has a bigger tax bill, and all of a sudden things aren't equal. So being careful if your goal, your objective is to make sure things are equal, then that's something to consider. So Rob, to go back to the principal residence example, if this is Sandy and Mrs. Banks's principal residence, and they've added their child, Rocky, or children, Rocky and sister, Tyra. <laughs> Sister Tyra Banks. That name's so familiar. I don't know. I don't know why I've heard that before. No more sarcasm in this world. Yeah. So uh, Tyra and Rocky 
account for 25% each of the, the property, but it's Mr. and Mrs. Banks's uh, principal residence. Now you've taken 50% of that pr principal residence exemption away and, and it's a secondary property to Rocky and Tyra. So they're paying capital gains tax on 50% of it. So you have to, again, be very careful in terms of, well, certainly if it's a secondary property, but even more so if it's a principal residence. Yeah, and you don't know about their personal financial situation, so they may not have the cash at hand to pay uh, the capital gains tax in order to dispose of the rest of the estate. Right. Well, I think Tyra is pretty rich. Provided she's got a great financial advisor, of course. I actually heard, Rob, she's a huge fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Tyra, if you're listening, give us a call. So, Rob, I think we've given our listeners enough food for thought out there. So if you've uh, recently purchased a new property or have owned one or had one pass through the family for generations, certainly some things to, to think about. If you've got any other questions or concerns, by all means, reach out to us. A little food for thought, for sure. And now I'm hungry. Random Thoughts by Robert Wilson. Maybe that should be a, a new podcast that we put out there. Random Thoughts by Robert Wilson. I love bowling. <laughs> Skinny Vanilla Lattes and Sidney Crosby. Yes, the Pittsburgh Penguins are top on that list. Is, is that enough for a, a whole new podcast? It would be. Rob is a super interesting guy, so he could fill an entire podcast with his thoughts. Random thoughts. Random thoughts. By Robert Wilson, one of the gents. That's right. Or maybe just don't quit your day job. <laughs> yeah, likely likely the latter. Yeah. Not everyone is going to be in as interested in your random thoughts as me, Rob. Well, I think it's been determined that you're not really that interested in them either. <laughs> I like your thoughts, just not your random ones. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, That's I like a good your, point. I like your well-thought-out thoughts, not, not just your random ones. Anyway, as I said... If you've got any other questions, reach out to us. You can track us down on our website, ellisfinancialgroup.ca. You can also find us both on LinkedIn, Stephen Ellis and Robert Wolfson. If you prefer something more old school and you want to give us a call, my direct line, 403-298-4023. Or if you prefer to talk to me and get my latest random thought, which I'm sure you want to know, I am at 403-213-7342. Yeah, we don't need to do another podcast. People can just call you for your random thoughts. That's right. It's easier that way. They go direct to the source. Anyway, thanks again for joining us. Hope you found some value in today's content. As always, I am Stephen Ellis. And I am Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents. And we'll talk to you again soon.